My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is Thursday, June 10th, 1993, and I am interviewing Wanda Penny on her life for the Oral History Project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is an independent study of mine supported by the Missouri Historical Society. We'll begin at the beginning. Could you tell me who who lived in your home when you were growing up? My mother, father, and brother. Mother, father, and brother. Okay. Uh. <laughs> right now. Uh -huh. Before moving to St. Louis. Okay. <laughs> um, you were. Where were you born? In Sparta, Illinois. Okay. And um, when did you uh, move to St. Louis? Uh, I was eight years old at the time. All right. So it was about 1932. And you were born in 23. So, mm -hmm. um, could you describe the the neighborhood in Sparta when you grew up till eight? Uh, Sparta was. Uh, sort of a mixed community. <laughs> you might have a white neighbor living next to you or down the street from you or across the street. And um, there were certain areas where maybe all blacks lived, but it was kind of a mixed community. And people were very friendly with each other. White children played with black children and uh, there were a few uh, restrictions what were they? You didn't go to church with white children. Um, you didn't go to school with white children. And you didn't go to the movies with white children. Uh, when you moved to St. Louis, you and your mother, mm -hmm. um, where did what kind of neighborhood did you live in? We lived in a segregated neighborhood that was in the down rather the downtown section of the city, but it was um, not not all the way down. When I say downtown city, I mean Mill Creeks. Yes, um, around the Mill Creek area, and um, well, it was segregated. That's all I remember. Um, there were white store owners who had shops on a principal street, like a busy street might have uh, Market. shops. Market Street, uh, maybe. Like Market Street, right. Or the movies were white-owned, but blacks could go. And there were movies that were just for blacks, I think. <laughs> okay. The movies that the whites owned were for blacks. Were, is that what some, you're saying? Some of them, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but movies were not integrated. I don't think uh, movies here were segregated. I don't remember that. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. I believe they were. In the neighborhood I lived in. No, maybe not. Well, mm -hmm. yes, I think. Um, all right. Um, 
and your school, your your primary school? School was segregated. And that was Banneker? Banneker School. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, could you walk to Banneker School? Yes. What did your mom, what did your mother do? Did she work? She worked, um, she had come here uh, first to um, go to Barnes Hospital. She was sick when we came, have an operation. And when she got well, she did start working. She worked at various jobs that I don't remember, but eventually started working at um, a hospital that used to be in the Ville. Um, Homer G. Phillips. wasn't in the Ville. It was um, on Lawton, Lawton Avenue. It was an all-black... People's Hospital? Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, hospital I, number... Number two. Number two. Number two. She two. worked there uh, sewing uniforms and uh, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did that for uh, several years, I remember. She did um, join a political organization that was um, where Jared and Chambers was the uh, principal figure. Republican? No, I, I don't know. I think it was Democratic. Though. Democrat. Mm -hmm. But he was a very important politician in mm -hmm. the city at that time. Um, were you involved with anything that your mother did? Did you ever go down to the hospital where she I, worked? Yes, I went to the hospital very often. And uh, they felt I was too skinny, so when I <laughs> went to the hospital, they often fed me <laughs> and insisted that I drink milk every day. Um, it was nice. To go down fun. there? Mm -hmm. What made it nice? Well, everybody was so nice to me. And that was that was good. Um, did your mother have some friends down there? Did she make friends down there? Yes, I think she did. Mother made friends anywhere she went. What was she like? Very, um, she was a very friendly person herself. And um, people made friends with her easily. Uh, and you said she came to Barnes. Um, I have been told that Barnes was a segregated, you know, that, that didn't allow uh, blacks or colored people at that time, uh, except rarely. Uh, or that they had a place in the basement? Is, does any of this... I don't, I don't remember any don't of remember that. don't remember that. All right. Um, I didn't go to the hospital at that time when she came to uh -huh. be in the hospital, so I don't remember anything about the hospital or where she was in the hospital. So you, you hadn't moved here yet, or you had? Yes, we came with Mother. Oh, your brother came too? My brother and I came with Mother. Is he older? Was he older? Yes, he's uh, a year and some months older. And his name? Is Charles. Charles. All right. Is he still living? Is he? I think so. Um, I haven't heard from him for over a year. Um, 
What role did the, the church play in your family's life? At that time, I can't remember any role. Okay. Um, how did you spend free time as a child? Hmm. I guess playing with other children in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And what, where did you play? Was the school close enough to play? <laughs> I don't think we played at the school. I think we played in, in houses, in uh, alleys, maybe. <laughs> I can't remember playing in a playground or mm -hmm. our schoolyard. Did, did it make a difference? Did you question the fact that there were no whites living on your block as there had been in Sparta? No. Um, I have a question here. When you got sick as a child, what, what kind of care and where did you get it? Um, from my mother. From your mother. Mm -hmm. Was there a doctor that called in? No. Did you ever go to the ho uh, clinic or the emergency room? Not as a child. Not as a child. No, I, I take that back. I did go to have my tonsils removed. I went to the um, number two hospital to have my tonsils removed. That's the only experience I remember being in a hospital. Do you remember how you were treated and the quality of it? Very well, I think. Okay. Um, how were you first aware that there were people whose skin was a different color than yours? I guess I was always aware of it. Can't remember not being aware. Um, and you, I, I would like to ask you the effect on you and your family. Well, it didn't bother me too much in my early years except uh, when we would go to the show and have to sit in a certain place like we did in Sparta. And somehow I didn't think that was right. Um, little things. It, the school experiences going with all black students didn't bother me at all. I think the only thing that probably bothered me was the show, having to sit, because the place we had to sit must have been in the back or, you know, some less uh, interesting spot in the theater, and I didn't like that. Did you voice that to No, anybody? I didn't voice that to anybody. <laughs> there wasn't anybody to voice it to that I knew of. Well, like your mother? Well. She understood it. I probably did. She understood it. My father. They uh, just accepted things as they were. Is there anything that, that you do recall that when you would say something that they would give you any kind of answer back about what it was about or why? Or did they? I don't remember. Um, were you, were you aware that when you felt this wasn't right, that that was discrimination and, um, segregation? Did you, 
you were, you moved, that was in Sparta, and that was before you were eight. Mm -hmm. I think I did. Um, before going to Sparta, I had lived in Ohio. I had lived many different places before going to Sparta and had not in Ohio um, and not noticed the same uh, desegregation procedures that I did in Sparta. We went to the same schools. Uh, we we uh, sat side by side in the same classes. And I can't remember um, a show like going to the show or things like that, but everything seemed more open there. Sparta seemed a little different to me. Do you think that um, do you think that, I thought you said uh, that you were born in Sparta. Were you born there and did you move away and then to yes. Ohio and, and come back? Yes. My father was a, a coal miner and wherever they had um, mining, uh, mines were doing very good, mm -hmm. he would go. And so we followed him all across the country, um, staying short periods of time in each place. So in... in uh, I, I remember, for instance, being in uh, Virginia, West Virginia, and I think I must have been in kindergarten at that time, but I liked the schools <laughs> there. <laughs> What'd you like? I liked, um, there were classes in art that I guess I hadn't had in the other schools, and I just loved to make things in art. Um, and and I, I remember that as if it were yesterday. Well, tell me about it. Well, um, I seemed to do well when I was working with art materials and bring home pretty pictures and little ceramic things I had made. I don't remember doing that in other schools I had been to. Is um, now was this was this was with white children? This was in Ohio. No, this was um, in West Virginia. In West Virginia. I don't uh, remember what the color of the children was. <laughs> Do you remember the color of the teacher? No, I don't. Um, so you had a number of different kinds of experiences before you mm -hmm. were eight years old. Yes. Um, did you feel like if you wanted to, you could ask your parents or your mom anything that, about about anything. About anything. Yes. Especially this. Yes, I did. Oh, I, I thought you might, you were going to say <laughs> something else. Um, did you feel that your parents provided you with what you needed for everyday life? Yes, I did. Um, did you have family memories and stories? that your mother or father might have told you about their parents or things that they handed down to you? <laughs> I remember my mother talking about her experiences. She was born in Chicago. Mm -hmm. 
and she talked about going to um, a white school, I think. And she said the teachers and um, other people used to say that she was very pretty. And so one day at home, she decided to see what she looked like. <laughs> like there were no mirrors around. She had to climb up in a chair to see herself in a mirror. And when she saw that she wasn't white and didn't have straight hair, she was so disappointed because she thought being very pretty meant that's the way you looked. Now, I don't remember any, any stories told by my father particularly, but I remember my Remember that one. When she told it to you, how did your head, your you're ch chuckling a little. Mm -hmm. How did she tell it to you? She wasn't angry or bitter. She just meant that she thought being pretty was um, being uh, white and uh, having different kind of hair. <laughs> she didn't think she fit that potential. We we looked at it as being funny. Now, the, other thing, the other thing I remember about my mother, she had a, some little songs she would sing that were definitely Negro songs, and I don't know, I, don't, I have no idea where they came from, but um, let's see if I can remember any of them now. Um, oh. Um, <laughs> Let me try to remember. It was something like um, the poor old colored children haven't any place to go. Uh, colored people haven't any place to go. They can't go up to heaven, so they must go down below. I wonder why. I wonder why. And um, another song was. Um, No, that's the only one I remember right now. Okay. Um, what did you did your did you ever know your grandparents? Yes, on my father's side. I didn't know my mother's uh, parents. Did they did they have a um, did you have a relationship with them? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to visit uh, well, we, we, when we went back to Sparta I saw my grandparents mm -hmm. frequently and um, and I would go to uh, my grandmother's house and she would show me how to make something like how to make paste or <laughs> or how to cook something or you know little things that parents teach and grandparents teach children All right. uh, what impression did you get about the way your parents and your grandparents felt about people who were racially different 
from your family? I didn't get any impressions from them about that. Well, did your father, you said he worked in a, in a coal mine, ever come home and talk about his work or when he worked, was it, was there anybody that was? Apparently the work that was done in the mines was very hard, and but they got good money for it. So almost everybody who was uh, a working age worked in the mines until the mines began to um, give out. And um, when we came to St. Louis, for instance, when my mother and brother and I when came to St. Louis, he did not come. He stayed in Sparta, and um, that was the, really the splitting up of my mother and father because uh, she did not go back after the operation, after the surgery. She decided she wanted to stay in a city where her children would have more opportunities. And uh, she wanted him to come here, and he wouldn't come here. And, <laughs> they never agreed. Now, um, I'm trying to think what question I'm supposed to be answering right now. <laughs> I think I wanted to know what um, what uh, impressions you got or what things you might have, of how they felt about people who were uh, racially different. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Well, no, I didn't um, get lots of impressions from my father, but when we came to St. Louis, I did get impressions from my mother because we went to um, Forest Park. Mother liked to do things like go to the park. Can I help you do my <laughs> No, I've got one here. It's this one. Can I pull it up for you? Can you? I'm not, not sure. Okay. That's, that's Is that better? better? That's better. Okay. Mm -hmm. We went to Forest Park and uh, there was an elephant there named Miss Jim that children used to ride on. Do you remember? Vaguely, yes. You're smiling. And we wanted to ride on the elephant, so Mother got in line and asked if we could. When it, got, it became our turn to ride, they said, we don't let... Uh, black children ride the elephant. And they probably said colored in those days? They probably said colored. I'm sure they said colored instead of black. And um, that was a very sort of painful experience to me. And mother resented it quite a lot and expressed her opinion about it. To him? To the, yeah, whoever was saying this to her. Do you remember what kind of things she said? No, I can't remember except my mother always spoke up in situations where it was necessary to speak up. And uh, and I remember her saying that. How did you feel about her speaking up? Oh, I always felt she was wonderful in, um, in doing things like that. When, you know, now that I've mentioned that, my mind goes back to Ohio, where I did have a racial experience. There was a, a boy there, okay. 
that used to tease my brother and I every day coming home from school. And um, one day he started his usual, as he started his usual teasing, my mother ran after him. And I don't know whether she grabbed him or is she what she did, but he never teased us again. And you don't know what she did. I'm not sure if she <laughs> caught him. I just can't remember at this time what she did. But he never, she said, if you ever lay your hands on them again, and he didn't. But that was the way she was in, in defending us. Um... How did what you were hearing from your parents, from your mother, really uh, affect you? It made me feel you have uh, rights, certain rights that you have to defend. And um, I think that may have influenced the way I felt when I came to St. Louis and joined CORE. And, um, participated in the activities that, uh, you know, that CORE provided for me. Um, I would like to ask you the, a few more questions before we talk about CORE. Did, did, your, did your mother ever instruct you or your father in what you would call appropriate behavior with people who were racially different than yourself from your background? No, I can't remember. I can't remember that they told us any particular thing to do. Uh, did your mother talk with you or your father ever talk with you about your future? Uh, what your choices were? Well, my mother always instilled that we had to finish school. It was like something that was just a must. And um, no matter what else you did, you must finish school. Because uh, that was a way to be successful. And I didn't say what we had to do or what, <laughs> or what kind of... Um, job we should get in the future, but just to prepare ourselves for whatever came. Um, who would you say might have been a, a mentor or someone that looked up to, to you, that you looked up to and that guided you? Some people say a role model, some people say a mentor. That's someone that... I guess it depends on what age. Um, and I can think more about the recent, you know, like in college and um, toward that period of my life rather than in a early elementary school. I guess my mother was more of a 
mentor in the early years. She was a person that I really looked up to. And um, later it was teachers in school, like um, an art teacher in, in college. And later um, an art, uh, the woman who was um, head of the what was she the head of the art program after I graduated from college okay um how let's see did your mother belong to any clubs or unions or social groups she belonged to that political organization that I mentioned before, Jordan Chambers, Chambers organization. And that's one way of getting jobs. That was one way of getting jobs in the city. Was to belong to that? Yes. And uh, if you were a good member of that organization, I don't know what it constituted a good member, but a regular member, mm -hmm. and supported his organization, you could get a job, and that's how Mother got succeeded in getting her job at the hospital. He was uh, supposed to be a, an outstanding mm -hmm. person. Yes. Never to be, uh, never to have anybody come and able to take his place since. Um, I don't think anyone has <laughs> really ever taken his place. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Did you see your father after you came? Oh, yes. My father came to visit, and uh, they would fuss a lot, and then he'd go back. <laughs> and I went to see my father, um, and I enjoyed my visits with my father. I, I liked my father. Uh, he wasn't as aggressive in many ways as my mother was, but he was um, he was nice. He believed in uh, in taking care of us. You know, he he was very kind. Uh, how were you and your family first involved with integration? I guess um, I was first involved through CORE. That's the only way I can think of. Well, how did you find out about how did, CORE? How, how did I get into CORE? Uh, I heard that there was a group that met on such a night, I don't remember in a church basement and I said I'm going there was a, a group that worked for integration and I, I was interested in going uh, you were already graduated from the Sean you were uh, already uh, graduated from Harris Teachers College with a BA in education and uh, you had not yet gone to Southern Illinois. So I don't know whether I had finished all those. No, because so 
so you were you were graduated. You probably graduated in '42. Do you know? Do you remember when you got involved with Corps? Must have been around the time of graduation. When oh, I think it was about the time I was going to college. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. I'm, no, I'm not well, sure. How did, how, so or the end of. College. I started going on a regular basis, and we planned such interesting activities that I um, really enjoyed participating. To open the, to get the restaurants open, we would plan to go in a white and a black person, and um, maybe sit down in the restaurant and wait until they served us or refused to serve us or whatever happened, and. We did this many times in restaurants and got death threats and um, all sorts, <laughs> had knives sharpened in front of our noses, had many experiences like that. And um, finally one of our members became uh, an alderman, was uh, voted into the position of alderman. And he went to one of the restaurants, William Clay. He went to one of the restaurant owners, Pope, Harry Pope, and um, Pope yes, who owned the Pope cafeterias, and got Pope to open his cafeterias, and he was such a leading person in the cafeteria business that all the other people opened their cafeterias. Do you remember any of the restaurants that you uh, mm -hmm. would go and sit in? I remember a little restaurant. Um, I don't remember the name of it. It was a little restaurant between Vanderwoods and Famous. Somewhere in there, there was a little block that uh, this restaurant was in. And we sat down <laughs> there one night and um, Almost every, everybody <clears throat> had stopped eating, so there weren't many people in there. And one by one, they left. And he did not serve us, and we continued to sit. And <clears throat> he said, well, I'm locking up now. <clears throat> and he left the restaurant and uh, locked the door from the outside and left us in there. <laughs> and um, stayed for a little while. And then uh, he came back in, and he said, what do you all want? I'm just a small restaurant owner, and you need to get the big guys, and you need to uh, close them. And um, I can't afford, you know, to serve you. And uh, we said, well, we've got to start somewhere. <laughs> and um, anyway, after our discussion, he agreed to service, and he asked what we wanted that night, and he did service. And um, he didn't open his restaurant right after that, though. He didn't really open until the others did. But um, that's that's one that sticks in my memory because I was so sort of scared of what. He went out of there to do, and you know what was going to take place next. 
I remember Walgreens. They piled dishes up in front of us on the counter. That might have been where they sharpened knives, too. <laughs> and uh, did all kinds of mean things. Which Walgreens? It was downtown, one of the street corners downtown. Um, that must have been a very difficult thing. It was. What did it take, Wanda, to, to sit there? And what went through your head and your heart while you were... Well... I think the more you did it, the less you feared it. <laughs> and it was like you were just determined that um, this was going to change. And it was it had gone on long enough, and there was no reason for it to continue any longer. So um, we were, were more determined, I think, than the restaurant owners to win. So um, it first started out uh, when they, we, when Corp first started attacking restaurants, they started with large groups. A large group of blacks would go in and fill up the counters. So they almost had no one else sitting at the counters but these blacks who couldn't be served. And we would uh, go first to uh, the downtown department stores. That was the first stop on the way. That would have been Sticks and famous bar yeah. and scrubs, mm -hmm. all often called the grand leader. <laughs> right. I don't know if we ever got to Scruggs, but we did start with Sticks and Famous. I remember that, and um, we didn't get them open. We went then to the smaller restaurants, the private kind of smaller restaurants, until. <laughs> and the uh, Pope suggested to us once, well, why don't you go in with a um, number of people who don't look like they're black until you get to a dark one, you know, <laughs> graduate. <laughs> yeah, they, they came up with so many silly things to do that it became funny. You know, at our meetings we talk about everybody reported on his experiences and we talked about all the silly things that we had experienced during the week. Was it, uh, is that the way you kept up or how did you keep up your ability to keep going back and back? It wasn't difficult. Uh, that's all I know. It was a part of it was that to us it was very humorous. Um, so many funny things happened along the way um, and it was like we had the advantage really of um, disturbing them in various ways and showing them how silly it was for them to keep refusing to surface. What were the various ways? Well just going in there and sitting down and being very harmless and very uh, nice. <laughs> And until, you know, they, they I, I guess, would almost reason, well, why don't I serve him? What would be wrong with serving him or her? What were other people, other customers? Uh, I'm sure that it must have varied from 
store to store and mm-hmm. day to day and evening to evening, but what were some of the actions and reactions of the other people? I think most of them supported us. How could you tell? I can't remember any really uh, negative responses on the part of other people, like they didn't say, uh, why don't you Negroes get out of here? Or I don't remember remarks like that. Um, do you remember any affirmative? No, I don't remember those either. <laughs> Did you wear anything on your back? I, I somehow understood that some people had signs. Um, I don't remember doing that. much guidance and what, what were some of the more important things that they might, you all might have uh, talked about in, in your meetings that gave you guidelines as to what to do if someone was unkind, unpleasant, unkind, they were unkind. Well, we've, we uh, operated on the philosophy, the Gandhian philosophy that you don't fight back. No matter what someone else does, you don't fight back. You carry on a peaceful demonstration. You look neat and pleasant. You know, you um, you conduct yourself in a neat, pleasant way. And no matter what. Um, did you always go with a male and a female? No. We... we most of the time went with two ma- males or two females. Oh. I was just thinking maybe a male in those days, if, if some harm, if they felt harm. Uh, were, were police ever around? Was there an occasion where a policeman would walk in a restaurant or you saw one and they acted or reacted or didn't? What? I don't think police were in the picture until Jefferson Bank. Do you remember Jefferson Bank? I do, but Mm -hmm. I meant just if they um, happened to walk in because you were downtown and police were on foot. I don't remember. Okay. Um, Were you ever concerned when you left a restaurant that anybody was going to follow you? Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. No, I, I was not. I detect you had not much fear. Or am I wrong? No. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned Jefferson Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, 63, I believe. Would you like to tell me what you... I really can't tell much about Jefferson Bank because I didn't participate in that demonstration. Mm-hmm. Um, we had decided in the meeting that the chances were if we demonstrated in front of Jefferson Bank, we would probably be taken to jail. If we did not mind being taken to jail, then we might be willing to participate. If there was some reason we felt we did not want to go to jail, then we probably shouldn't participate. And my decision was I did not want to participate. It might have been because of the 
teaching job that I had that was new. I'm not sure. It might have been because I felt I needed to, to stay home and take care of my mother rather than being in jail <laughs> for a period of time. Well, I suppose uh, it must have been difficult. Um, there are some that could uh, take a chance. Mm -hmm. um, now, Marion did go. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know who else went Norman to jail. Say Norman went. Say went. Bill Clay went. Mm -hmm. and, uh, quite a few um, was there a particular how was the leadership before handled we always hired uh, every year every two years or however frequently we had a we voted on president, secretary, and treasurer, those three people particularly. I think I had served once as the president and served once as the secretary. I don't think I'd ever served as the treasurer. So everybody had a chance? Yes, uh, the leadership was sort of passed around among the group. Mm -hmm. um, what was, uh, besides Charles Oldham and, well, who were the, who were the, I know it was an integrated group. And who were the main leaders? No, well, who were, well, if you want to say who were the main leaders, but also who, how many, how did people come and go and, and who were the white, whites that were involved? And was there one person that kept it going? I don't think there was. I think um, there was always a group. I, it would probably be easier, but I don't want to try to do it, not to name a group of people mm -hmm. who were always with it, yeah, consistently with it, and um, then it would be to name any one person. It was not a one-person kind of thing. Well, who were some of the white uh, Maggie Dagan, Irv Dagan, um, Charlie Oldham, uh, Marvin Say, Marvin Say, Norman Say. Was is, he's, Marvin, he's not white? Oh no, he's not white. Norman, no, Marvin's, Marvin, what's Marvin's last name? I can find that out. He's in New York now, Marvin. Um, anyway, or um, some of the white leaders, which well, is white people. They don't have to be necessarily leaders. Well, they were sort of the regular people that right. were always there. You could always count on being there. Um, Bill Bailey was. Do you remember Bill Bailey? Bill Bailey. Bailey. Okay. Um, did you, uh, the, the public accommodations, 
law that was passed where things did begin to open up. Um, um, and when you had victories, how how did that? How did you celebrate them, so to speak? Did, and what were some of the big victories or small victories? If you can't, rem if you don't know that, then just tell me the feelings that you had, maybe, when something did open up. Well, I can remember having good feelings about certain things, but I can't remember specifically. Did you feel like maybe you were really making history? Did you? Mm -hmm. I felt like we were making progress in St. Louis. <laughs> of course, these started going on across the country, and different members of our group started participating in some of the ones that were going on down south. And um, I just felt like changes were being made. It was a period in our history, in the history of this country, I think, that was very positive period with um, lots of changes being made and a feeling that of success in general in the president, in the politics, in the all kinds of things that were happening. The people who were pro-democracy seemed to be pretty, <laughs> pretty huge group. And um, it was a good feeling, just in general. Now, this changed after President Kennedy, the second Kennedy was, Jack Kennedy was shot. I felt that things started going downhill just about from there. After Jack Kennedy? Um, or do you mean Robert? You mean Robert Kennedy. After Robert, after Robert Kennedy's death, because everything uh, up to that point was very hopeful. Well, and when Martin Luther King died. Yes, it was like a series of things: the Martin Luther King death, the Jack Kennedy death, and then the Robert Kennedy. And that was like, oh my. <laughs> do you remember St. Louis? Uh, what was going on here when Martin Luther King died? I, unfortunately, I was in New York at the time. Um, and going, I, I was going to visit a white friend on that evening. And then a black boyfriend was supposed to come and pick me up later. And they didn't tell me about um, Martin Luther King's death until my black boyfriend came to pick me up and he said, since I was so bubbly and cheerful, he said, she doesn't know, does she? And my white friend said, no, she doesn't. I haven't told her yet. And she didn't have any radios or TVs on, so I couldn't hear it. And um, he was very bitter. 
he said, "We, uh, I, I want to get out of this neighborhood as soon as I, as I can. And he didn't want to stay with a white person one minute. And so it meant I had to leave. I've never seen her again since then. Um, I don't know what happened to our friendship because I liked her very much, but for some reason we just never communicated since then. But that night on the streets of New York there was chaos with um, a lot of noise, a lot of rackets, uh, groups running around the city, uh, breaking windows and things like that. I remember that. Um, I think I might have left New York uh, a day or two after that. And when I came back to St. Louis, they were planning a big parade for Martin Luther King, and it was, it was passing my house. So I joined the parade as they passed my house, and we marched to Forest Park. They had started out somewhere downtown and marched to Forest Park. I don't remember any uh, violence, but there may have been some before I came home. I don't know. I don't believe so. Um, tell me about the park and what went on in the park and how people were acting and how they were feeling. It must have been things like prayers and uh, I don't remember much about it. But it was, it was quiet? Yeah, it was um, quiet period and um, the whole event uh, left a good feeling. I remember that. And um, I don't know, that's all I can remember. Did you feel that, that uh, as you were pointing out before, there was a lot of hope? Did you feel that hope was gone? Not at that moment. It, it started slowly. Slowly? Mm -hmm. It went, sort of went downhill slowly from that point. And CORE became uh, all black. CORE changed. It, it wasn't like the old core we had known. Um, it probably did eventually become all black. Um, there were people wanted to join core, wanted to do things in a very violent way, and um, we couldn't keep it the same. Let's see what? Okay. Um, you said it changed. People mm -hmm. wanted to come in and be more violent. This was after Martin Luther King's death. Was this? This was after the Jefferson Bank. I okay. remember um, after the people were put in jail. Mm -hmm. um, there were people, and I guess after Martin Luther King's death too, there were people who 
wanted to join CORE, but wanted to do do things in a in a violent way. I mean, by that they didn't want to to be nice and peaceful and and so forth, as we had been in the past. And it became an organization which I didn't enjoy. I know I stopped eventually going to the meetings for that reason. Uh, since we talked, you said about 10 more minutes. When did you start going in the 60s and things open, did open up places, the public accommodations? Mm -hmm. um, where did you, how did that go for you? Did you go into places then? Did you? Yes. We felt that since the places had opened, we needed to um, to use them. And you felt that way because? Well, we felt that if we were trying for all these years to get them open, then certainly we should <laughs> patronize them once they were open. You felt a responsibility to a do that. A responsibility, right. And so we did go. We would plan trips where uh, a couple of us or three of us would go to uh, a place that had been opened. This is still part of CORE or just friends? Yeah. This is CORE, so still so part of CORE. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess sometimes this could be outside of CORE, maybe just uh, two or three friends getting together and saying, let's have dinner at such and such place. But I remember planning these some of these things in core. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go to, um, we tried to get to as many restaurants as we had demonstrated at. And uh, the nicer places that had not admitted us at one time. What would be a nicer place? Um, Maybe the flaming pit, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I remember a place that sold fish on King's Highway and King's Highway and um, something. It's called Nantucket Cove, uh -huh. you know. Exactly. I, I always thought that was a nicer place. <laughs> it was. It was a not a cheaper place either. It's a more expensive place. Wanda, did, did you recognize anybody when you went back to these places that you had sat in? Did they? No, I didn't. Uh, Only Harry Pope. Harry Pope and I seemed to eventually, <clears throat> he sort of became friends with all of us. <laughs> and oh. I remember going to his restaurant. <clears throat> and, um, saying hello to him, you know, as uh, as I went in. And he'd say, oh, well, you eventually got what you were working for. <laughs> um, do you find sometimes that it's, it's difficult? This is a very difficult subject. It's made difficult. People make it difficult. But there's 
a certain amount of uncomfortableness. I don't know if I just made up a word or Discomfort <laughs> might be better. <laughs> yes. In talking about... I don't find talking about the subject is uncomfortable. I just find trying to remember what happened when is uncomfortable for me. Because um, the experiences were so much, they were enjoyable. Part of my memory. So I don't find them uncomfortable they were to talk about. Because I made friends. Um, felt I was doing something worthwhile and felt we were succeeding at that activity. So it was always a, a good memory, a good feeling, and I really enjoyed the people I met during this time. Wanda, what do you think? The Dagans and I, for instance, are still good friends, and I met them. The first meeting with them was in core. And Maggie and I still, and Irv, still call each other. It's nice. Um, where else did you go? Did you go to the movies? I don't think the movies were ever a part of this. Did you go to... At least I don't remember. <laughs> Um, is there anything that you would like to... Oh, I, I know what. Maybe if I ask you... Um, are there places... Um, which part of St. Louis seem, seemed, seemed like home to you? Was there an area that... Uh, As a child. Mm -hmm. Growing up, uh, yeah, the area near Mill Creek, around Mill Creek, back as far as um, at what as what is now um, what used to be Franklin is now called what <laughs> and into Franklin, and that was Martin Luther King. Uh, well, let me ask Maybe Franklin is still Franklin. I were there sure. areas of St. Louis that you did not want to go into? No. There were never any areas? No. You felt comfortable west? And no, there weren't any areas in which I felt uncomfortable, but there were just areas I didn't go into because um, I didn't know anyone in those areas, mm -hmm. and so we were sort of limited now. I first started going west of King's Highway to visit the Dagans, who used to, all these uh, core, core functions were held at their house in the early days. And uh, I went out to University City. And that was as far west as I had ever gone in St. Louis. I had grown up as a child and gone through high school and college without visiting University City or going to University City. and. Um, There were uh, places south that I did not see or <laughs> know about until recently. You know, I just didn't get south. 
all my life revolved in this one area. And that would go from Martin Luther King to uh, how far south Laclede or our Market Street and no farther south than that and no farther west than King's Highway no farther east than the downtown stores. Something else that happened to me when I was younger in St. Louis was uh, going to a, a wall, um, Woolworth store and being refused service at a counter and it had never occurred to me that I wouldn't be served a hamburger at a downtown store counter. This was before CORE mm -hmm. was like uh, nine or ten years old at the time and they refused to serve me and that left a very um, you know bitter impression <laughs>